We're back with another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, is joining us, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We're talking about a very, very important part of investing, Ron. Dividend growth and dividend yield strategies and how you should really be thinking about incorporating this into your investment strategy. So you've you've prepared a scenario here. Let's lay that one out. Dividend income or dividend growth? Especially, and this scenario is especially geared for if you're a retiree, you know, should you be looking for more growth or should you be looking for more income? Now, if I take a stock that has an initial yield when I buy it of 3% and it grows at 10% per year, and so in other words, that annual dividend growth is 10%. Now, versus another stock where it has a 7% initial yield, so the stock is paying twice as much to begin with, over twice as much, but it only has a 3% annual dividend growth. The question is, just looking at the income that you're going to get, because especially if you're retired, you don't want to sell a lot of your capital. You want to try and live off your income. So if you're just looking at the income side, and with a dividend growth stock, you should get more growth over time. And I've just excluded that from the equation here. Not that it's not important, but for retirees, the income is the primary importance. So you've got to ask yourself, if if I bought the 3% stock that had an initial yield of 3 and 10% annual growth in its dividend, and Gord, you bought a stock, we're both retired at 65, that had an initial yield of 7%, but only 3% annual growth in it. And the extra growth you're going to get from my stock, the 3%, 10% grower, to equal yours that paid a much higher dividend to begin with. Well, now you're going to need one of those financial calculators that you're such a wizard with. <laughs> yeah, and the answer is 33 years. So you might be one of those who has a family that regularly everyone in it becomes an octogenarian that lives to be 100 years old. But for most people, where they really need the income is in their early days. Because let's face it, you've got the health, you've got the the spunk, the drive, the mental capacity to get out and do all those things that you always wanted to do. And being in the business for 35, 40 years, I found that if you retire at 65, your window... It's about 15 years, realistically, I think. Yeah, 10 to 15 years. So you want to be able to take the income that your portfolio is using, and, and when you have the opportunity to do things, that's the time to do them. So I'd say if you're retired, you really want to live off your portfolio that maybe lean toward higher dividend payers initially than dividend growth stocks because it can take a long time for that extra growth in dividend to to equal the cash flow that you're going to get. Yeah, if you retire at 65 and it takes 33 years, that's 98. That used to be my mom's favorite number, 98 of everything. But, you know, I don't think I knew anybody in the family that lived that long. So, Yeah, and uh, obviously, as I say, the capital gains should be greater from the from the dividend growth stocks, but most people are more concerned with uh, stable companies with less growth, less volatility, and they're looking for income. So if you're retired, 
get a portfolio of stocks that pay 4% plus in dividends, especially in the conservative sectors. And if you can live off, live off the income, and if you get some capital gains along the way, obviously take that as well. But probably for retired people that are really need the income, a uh, portfolio with dividend yield stocks is probably more appropriate than a portfolio of dividend growth. So have you got a list of criteria here for how we go about picking these stocks, Ron? Like Because this is, this is pretty deep stuff for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. So, you know, this might be a little bit beyond you. If it is, write them down anyways, and you can use these criteria that we're talking about today to take and, and if you're using a financial advisor, ask them what their criteria for picking dividend growth and dividend yield stocks are. And this will give you a baseline, even if you're not doing it yourself, to ask the appropriate questions you need. So the first criteria I use is always payout ratio. And payout ratio is the amount of the company's earnings. So the first criteria is the company's got to have earnings. If it's paying dividends and not doesn't make any money. That's trouble. The, the, yeah, the red flags are up immediately. But the payout ratio should be 70% or less, and those are the dividend yield companies, the ones I'm saying are have a yield of, of at least 4%. So a company needs to have a certain amount of capital to reinvest back in its business of its profits. So any company that has higher than that often gets itself into trouble because they've starved their business to pay out shareholders. For dividend growth companies, and dividend growth companies are the kinds of companies where uh, typically, they are growing their dividends, but they're also growing their business quite quite rapidly. And I don't like companies in, that are dividend growth to pay out more than 50% of their earnings because I, I want them to have lots of capital left over to reinvest in the business so that they can keep growing earnings, which means they can keep growing or at least maintaining their dividend. Okay, now, now we start getting into the technical stuff debt versus EBITDA <laughs> that oh boy I remember I heard that EBITDA thing so often from our general manager <laughs> yeah and so uh, making it a little more simple earnings before interest taxes depreciation amortization is it's also a cash flow number so you want to take the cash flow that a company produces before it has to pay off its uh, its uh, taxes and interest and things like that and because debt usually is first, if you're not paying off your debt, you're not, uh, uh, you're not getting going, a job done. Yeah, you're not getting a job done. So with your cash flow, you should be able to pay off your debt in three years or less. And if you can pay off your all your debt in three years or less, it generally means that you're not take you have not taken on too much debt unless something catastrophic happens with the company. Uh, you've got enough cash flow that signifies that you're strong enough financially to continue making your dividend payments even if the economy hits a rough patch and earnings are reduced. So having low debt and uh, high debt coverage gives a company what we've called in, in the past in some of our shows a margin of safety. So I like high margins of safety because I'm a conservative guy. Okay, so you, you set your yield benchmark at about 3% or higher. Yeah, you want if if you're looking for companies that uh, can grow their dividend, you want to have a dividend that 
It's not out of sight. (laughs) Yeah, A, that's not out of sight. In other words, it's not 7 or 8% because, uh, like we're going to talk about in our next point, if you have a company that pays dividends too high, and often uh, I'm very careful about investing in companies where the yields are over 6%, my experience is that they often have to cut that dividend and economic slowdown, and you don't want that. If they cut the dividend, uh, that simply means that uh, what, you're, what you're seeing is the stock price usually gets slaughtered after that. But you want a company that has a significant dividend to begin with. If you have a dividend that's growing at, at 5% a year, but it's 0.1%, that dividend's going to go nowhere, even though it's expanding quite rapidly. But it's so small in the begin with, it, uh, it doesn't... Uh, It's not significant. So I look for companies that are paying at least two times the current 10-year bond interest rate to give you significant yield. Okay, so price-to-earnings ratio, this is sort of the fundamental of looking at stocks and seeing, okay, what's the price of the stock, what's their earnings, does the formula work, and what's your comfort zone there? Normally, I'm not a growth – I don't chase growth stocks, so I'm not willing to pay an infinite – number in the for a PE multiple just to own a stock that uh, is growing dramatically. Normally, I like a number to be lower, uh, but markets are high and the pandemic has resulted in some extraordinary times. So I try to look for companies that are that have PEs of 20 times or less. And what that simply means, Gord, is that if a company's earnings this year are a dollar and its shares trading at $20, it means it's going to take 20 years of current earnings to match or add up to today's share price. So, uh, you know, companies that are trading at 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 times earnings means that a company is going to have to generate these earnings for a long time, for, for a long time to even equal today's share price. And so I, I like companies that are a little bit more uh, uh, cheaper. And often that gives me a higher margin of safety. I, I, I get my bell rung less often. And you want to look and see if it's been losing money, right? If it's if it's had losses, that's maybe a red flag. Well, losses are definitely a red flag. Now, 2020 is the exception because most companies will uh, took a, for a short-term haircut as an outcome of the, the pandemic. But, you know, if you, you X that out and you go back five or ten years and you see that every two or three years, they're running deeply in the red. Uh, that's not the kind of, of candidate you want to own for uh, a dividend grower or a dividend um, yielding stock. Simply, you're looking for consistency. You want something that is very, very consistent down the road. And making money is one of the benchmarks of that. We've talked about cyclical stocks on the show before. You, you want to maybe try to stay away from those? Yeah, because cyclical stocks, typically their earnings go up and their earnings go down, and they tend to follow the economy. So the economy has a couple of years where it's it's not growing. Uh, these companies often will, will be shedding assets. They'll be cutting their dividend. So you want companies that are stable, and sectors are utilities, healthcare, food processing, and, and basic industries, school busing, funeral homes, those kind of things, where your earnings are very, very stable. And those are the kind of companies that make great candidates for, 
for dividend growth and dividend yield stocks. And I'm thinking recent shows, waste management would be another one of those areas, right? We've talked exactly. about growth industry for sure. Yeah. So do we want to, we, we obviously want to avoid then cycles that, that really get clubbed. And I'm thinking oil and gas recently would, you wouldn't want it been there. Well, a couple of years ago, a lot of oil stocks paid a very attractive dividend, but um, many of those dividends were cut right to the bone or, or disappeared completely when, when oil actually went negative for a while, where you, you had to pay someone to take the oil off your hands. So, yeah, I mean, when you're retired and if you've planned well and you know that you've got the resources that will take you through your retirement years, you don't have to play around with this stuff. Buy companies that will be consistent and steady. That way you don't have to spend your life biting your fingernails, wondering if you're going to have enough money. You can go out and do the things you want to do. Go play golf with your friends. Uh, uh, Travel. Yeah. yeah. You know, or, or, or go out and polish your car. Whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But you don't have to spend your time worrying about, am I going to have enough money so I'm not going to be sitting on a, on a bench in a park eating cat food? And there is a way to determine companies that have, have maintained those dividends in tough times and have grown them in good times, right? There's a way to yeah. pick those stocks. Yeah, absolutely. And companies that have historically maintained their dividends in bad markets and have grown them in good markets, obviously, that's a, you don't have to be a financial wizard to be able to figure that out. Is all you have to do is go and, and look. And if there's consistent profits year after year in bad and good markets, that should be a company that you can include in your list. Okay, so if you don't want to do this yourself, you don't want to sit at home on your computer, and, and, and you should seek the help of somebody who specializes in this. Get a financial advisor who delves into this area, right? It really helps to have, in the interview, just ask them what kind of investing they do. Do they do uh, options and futures? Are they specializing in juniors? Are they a trader? Are they a long-term growth? You want to find a financial advisor who specializes in dividend growers and dividend payers, because if that's what you're looking for and you want help, uh, you want to go to someone who's knowledgeable in that area and and can guide you um, specifically in the kinds of investments that you need for your own portfolio. So what if you are a DYI? What if you're a do-it-yourself investor? Are there ways to get some advice here? Yeah, the, the two easy ways are... are um, literally to get uh, a couple of newsletters that, uh, frankly, really focus on dividends. The first one's Investment Quality Trends, which covers U.S. stocks, and the other one's Investment Reporter, which focuses mostly on Canadian opportunities, but really focuses on companies that are able to grow their dividends over time. So all you have to do is Google each of them, Investment Quality Trends or Investment Reporter, Get a subscription. I think investment quality trends around $350 a year. Investment Reporter is about the same. So $700 a year uh, will give you, frankly, all the newsletters and all the information you're going to need to make really good quality choice. Keep it simple. <laughs> what about those guys of investors? Well, there's people that, frankly, like to, they're, they're the one and you're done crowd. And if you're one and you're done, well, you can buy exchange-traded funds that specialize in owning dividend growers and dividend payers. And I usually recommend people to have 25 to 40% of their holdings outside of Canada because Canada is such a small part of the market. And the U.S. is a great way to diversify. And, for example, the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation Fund is a dividend grower. 
It trades on the New York Stock Exchange. It's VIG. The U.S. dividend yield is covered as well by Vanguard High Dividend Yield, VYM. It trades in the U.S. One of the advantages of Vanguard is it has exceptionally low fees. So you're paying almost nothing for these guys to put together an ETF for you. In Canada, it's hard to break down a dividend fund into growth and yield. Our market is too small uh, to do that. So uh, you have them lumped together. But a good choice in that area, and there's a whole bunch of them. Most of the major banks offer a, a, a dividend ETF or dividend mutual fund, and they're all worth taking a look at depending on how high their fees are. But iShares has the Canadian Select Dividend ETF, XDV, and that uh, fits the bill as a good example of one that you can buy in Canada that will give you exposure to dividend growth and dividend yield. So again, just to review, Ron, this is uh, this is for the investor that at which point you are in your life. If you're just starting out, this is something you might want to look at as a long-term strategy. But if you're retired and you want to rely on that steady income, this is something you should consider as well, right? Yeah, I mean, frankly, the, the high-yield dividend VYM and the uh, iShares Canadian Select Dividend Yield are two ways where you can just put your money in there. You're getting a broad selection of securities, and uh, you can just basically live off the income that these things produce. You know, thinking back to your example about Coca-Cola, I know for a fact that uh, Warren Buffett's a big Coca-Cola shareholder. He's probably done pretty well with that over the decades, hasn't he? Oh, he bought, uh, to everybody's surprise, he bought Coca-Cola way back in the 70s and 80s and really has hung on to his position now for, well, maybe 40 to 50 years. Yeah, 40 to 50 years. And that's one of his core holdings. And he's just made out like a bandit on it. Like so many other things, he's owned like uh, the major banks in the U.S. uh, and uh, railroads and things like that. Yeah, yeah, American Express, which uh, if if you want to see how this works, as an aside, Gord, is go into Berkshire Hathaway's website and look at their annual report. In there, he lists what he bought all these companies from, and most of them are dividend growers. And it'll tell you when he bought them, what he paid for them, and what they're worth now. If you want your jaw to drop at how effective this strategy is, take 10 minutes and go and do that. You'll be surprised and inspired. All right, so there you go. We've covered dividend growth, dividend yield. Hopefully, we've given you some investment advice that you can put to good use. And that's what we're all about. If you have a suggestion or a question, you can drop us an email. We'll either answer it directly or maybe feature it in one of our upcoming episodes. Or if you have a show suggestion, we're always open to those as well. Ron Hebert is the financial coach, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead. We will talk to you next time on Making Money. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.